All right, we're recording. Welcome yes, everyone to sir. the Rink Rat Report podcast. We're recording this post win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Joined today by just Jason. How's it going through Zoom, baby? Let's go. A bit of a Zoom episode so that we're not going to sleep at 1 a.m. and then waking up for work at God knows what hour. Yeah. A little bit of a different week this week. Last week, we're a lot of the media was complaining that the Leafs are playing a little bit too well. There's not much to talk about. <laughs> and I mean, when you're, you're dusting team seven, nothing, you know, what, what are you going to talk about the, the two Alex Kerfoot goals that you got there? So we got a couple losses to talk about a big win to talk about maybe a measuring stick win. Um, we've got another injury on the blue line as Rasmus Sandin left the game with a neck injury tonight. Implications of that. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the goaltending and then also the trade that occurred this week, Dryden Hunt being traded for Dennis Malgin, um, in a blockbuster move that occurred Monday, I guess it was, we're going to talk a little bit about him and what we know about his game, but to start off, I wanted to do a little bit of a brain teaser, a little bit of a guess that player. I find these to be very, very fun. I'm going to give this one to Jason. I'm going to make Jason just gate, make, make Jason just this one. Beautiful. Stay hot. (laughs) All right. So this is the list. Ready? Yeah. Montreal Canadians, St. Louis blues, Buffalo Sabres, Washington Capitals, New York Islanders, Boston Bruins, Vancouver Canucks, New York Rangers. I'm going to try to send this to you so you have it in front of you. Okay. So, so what I have to do, this is the career path of the player, correct? correct? What year did he join the NHL? Am I allowed to ask that question? I believe he was drafted in 05. Okay. So you're sending me the list and we're going to read it out one more time. It yes. is Habs, Blues, Sabres, Caps, Isles. Bruins, Canucks, Rangers. And he's still playing in the NHL or he is retired. Still current. Okay. Um, this is a tough one. This is a very tough one. Canucks, Rangers, Bruins, Canucks, Rangers. Bruins. Oh, it's a lock. <laughs> oh, there you go. That was a good one. <laughs> there that you was go. a good one. All right. I let's thought go. I would try to trip you. Bruins, Canucks, Rangers. You you got it well because you looked at the last three. Yeah. I thought I would trip you up there because Halak went from the blues and then the Sabres and then the caps all in one year and didn't make the playoffs with the caps. Like one of the only times Ovi hasn't, I believe. So yeah, I thought that one was a little tricky. I had another one, which he was involved in a bit of a weird trade in the beginning of his, his, of his career, but I'll save that until uh, next week when love it. Yeah, when we're that all was back fun. on board. That yeah, was fun. Those, I like that. They are good. They make you they make you think. It's not like trivia where it's like you know it or you don't kind of yeah. or like maybe you have to think, but that one like we know most players in the NHL, right? Yeah, the, so when I what I did in my head, I saw New York Rangers and like obviously since I knew that he was still playing in the league, I was thinking to myself, mm-hmm. okay, forward on New York who recently played on Vancouver and Boston and has played for a long time. Can't think of one. Defense on New York, definitely can't think of one. It has yeah. to be a goalie. And then I just crushed it. That's it right there. There you go. There you go. Well, like there are, they, the Rangers do have some, some like odd 29 year old veterans on their fourth line yeah. that have played for like 400 teams. Like yeah. they had Dryden Hunt at one point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> um, true. 
I would have seen, I would, if that was like a depth forward, I would have expected to see more not so good teams sprinkled throughout there. That's the thing. Yeah. What, what, what threw me off is that these are all like pretty decent, other than I guess Buffalo, they were all pretty good teams at the time that he was playing competitive. Yeah. yeah. Very competitive so. teams. He was actually on waiver. So, I, like you could add in there, he was on waivers at one point with the Islanders his last year. That's he got put on waivers, was, went unclaimed because he was three and a half mil, went to Bridgeport, played 17 games in Bridgeport, and then got called back up. So, Yarrow Halak still kicking. But, anyways, that was a good guess right there. I was like, you sniped me on that one. I got it. But, Let's get into this week's games. So to start off, let's talk a little bit about the the Tampa Bay game. It's the freshest one. um, And it's, you know, my favorite out of the three. Let's get real. Yeah. Um, But first two were a little bit weird one, but the Tampa Bay one, I mean, like the least went down three, two in shots at this very start of the game to start the third period. Tampa Bay had 10 total shots on net. Is that correct? I think it was eight. I think Might I was at the, I was correct. at the game and I remember looking at the scoreboard and seeing eight, which I was like in shock to see. Cause that was, yeah, you just, you know, what? like you don't, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Like there, there weren't that many injuries. Eight. For, you are right. Game. It was eight. Weren't that many injuries for Tampa this, this game. Correct. Like they had, so they had Perbix playing, I believe is his name. Yeah, that was yeah, the one, only irregular yeah nick perbix i actually looked him up this is his rookie year he's a 98 born uh low draft pick he went to saint cloud state lit it up there i think he finished up last year um interesting that he was paired with headman for a while and he played 1654 so that was the only irregular guy i mean the rest of them stamkos was playing Kucherov was playing. Kucherov was playing. Sorelli, Point, Sergachev, everyone. everyone, The usual stuff. They're all there. They're all there. Slapped them. They were getting frustrated. Slapped them. Oh, yeah. Nikita Kucherov is the biggest baby. I want to say something about he. It's not low-key anymore. He is a dirty player. Yeah. he's He was suspended in the playoffs a few years ago. He's been suspended several times. He took that big run from behind on Michael Bunting, like where all you saw was numbers. It wasn't like he turned at all. You just ran him straight from the from behind. Like the stuff that some of these guys, it's it's rat-like behavior. It's yeah. It's not even like Marshawn getting your grill talking, whatever, like just dirty runs from behind and dirty plays that, that are dangerous that can result in injury. It's, I don't know. He's one of the most talented players in the league, but he is 100% a rat. Yeah. It's just sad to see. Cause he just doesn't have, he doesn't have to play like that. Like he didn't have to throw that hit on Michael Bunty. That had zero impact on the play. Like the puck was getting like trickling out the other side. Anyways, he just came yeah. in and like, no one, no, no, no one touching the puck, just clear boarding. Like, yeah. And on top of this, the, the lightning coming into this game, they were not coming off a back to back. They had re- they, their last game was Saturday. They had won one, two, three, four, five games in a row. All of those victories were by multi goals, multiple goals. So they were coming in with some momentum. The Leafs just stifled them. Yeah. They honestly, I thought the Leafs played a really well-structured neutral zone game this game. Oh, yeah. Like, really, really well. Like, making sure to, like, not let any forwards, like, if you're a forward, make sure, like, to not let their forwards break out above you, like, on goal, making sure you're a goal side whenever they're trying to break out so that you can stop the rush before it even happens. I thought that they were doing that really well. I also noticed that um, they had a, a center 
like the center, you not really forechecking, like when uh, Tampa would get the puck back in their own zone after like, let's say a dump in or let's say at least change or something along the lines mm-hmm. of that. Um, they had the center playing decently far back, which I think helped out yeah. in mitigating those things. Um, I don't know if that was strictly for the fourth and third line of like how they wanted to play that. Like Austin the, Matthews that, has been a bit higher this year. We've seen, but, we've seen more than a few very good defensive mm-hmm. plays from him this year. I mean, I think there was one where Braden point drove wide on him kind of thing. And then just put the, put the puck under his stick, lifted his stick while he had the puck and then drove the net. That was one yeah. of their, that was in the third the period, right? Like, it was first, or, oh, period. Sorry, first period, very yeah. beginning of the game. Yeah. It was yeah. a great drive by him, but didn't see much else of them. But so your big thing with the Leafs, it was good neutral zone defense. I agree yeah. with that 100%. And that's how, I mean, how can you get shots on net if you can't even get into the zone, right? So Absolutely. that's a very good point there. My point that I had is that the Tampa Bay Lightning could not break the puck out. They couldn't control the puck in their own end because the Leafs were were on them and they were stripping the puck right one right after the other. Exactly. It's something that we've seen the top line last year do very well. We've seen Tavares, his ability to win puck battles. But now you have that split between line one and line two. And I think both of those lines do an exceptional job of creating turnovers in the offensive zone. I mean, it wasn't the greatest example, but that first goal where Sergeyev gives away the puck, that's just poor puck management. It's not the least being awesome, but they turned a a turnover into a goal there. You saw. Um, And then even the bottom two lines do an okay job. Like Pontus Holmberg does an all right job. David Kampf does a very good job as well. So you have four lines that can, you know, chip the puck in or get the, just get the puck into the offensive zone and you're going to be able to get the puck back. Right. So that's what I liked watching about. That's what I liked from, from their game, especially tonight. Yeah. And on that, on that four check, on that four check as well, in their own zone, you saw a lot of like good, just good puck support all around. Like, Oh yeah. There was there was there was one play I'm thinking that's sticking out in my mind in particular where Austin Matthews stripped someone at the blue line. I forget who it was, maybe it was Nick Paul, and turned it directly into like two scoring chances. Oh yeah, like, they were that they was, were all over it tonight. It was such a great, like good, good puck support, just good structured game all around, which is what we want to see against a team like Tampa Bay. Exactly, exactly. So um what else did I have here? Um so, in terms of game within the game, um for this one, I mean the Leafs got ahead and stayed ahead all game. Um, I think that Tampa Bay did press when it was two one late. And I think Giordano had a couple very good net front defensive plays on one on Corey Perry, one on Pat Maroon that I think really just helped to preserve it. But in terms of game within the game, I mean, Tampa Bay got a power play somewhat early before the Leafs scored their first goal and the Leafs just stifled them. Tampa Bay could not get any puck touches in, could not get any shots, could not get any chances couldn't get any momentum built from that power play. And I think that really helped the Leafs to, to capitalize and jump on them in that opportunity. So, yeah, that was my thoughts on that one. Um, Other points in this game. I mean, I thought like it was a two, one game with goalies in the net, but like, I think four, one was a little bit more representative representative of how the Leafs played in this one versus how Tampa Bay played overall. Absolutely. Like, Tampa barely got like majority of their shots were from the point. If you look at their oh, shot chart, yeah. like they got, if we're looking like at shots below the top of, let's say the top of the, if you go just below the top of the circle, cause they have like two or three shots at the top of the circle. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 
10 shot attempts below the top of the circle. That's not, that's not, not that's not a lot. How many do the Leafs have? Oh, I can't count. There's like at least, (laughs) at least 20 in the slot. Like, honestly, it's like 10, they have 10 in the slot alone. So, um, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, they, they did such a good job defending like really, really well. Like, I mean, they they kept, they kept, uh, they kept the The lightning boys from the lightning. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was from four minutes and sorry, four minutes into the first period up until so the 16-minute mark to the two-minute mark. Yeah. 16 minutes to the two-mark in the third period. Over that time span, Tampa Bay got 0.3 expected goals. So oh. for literally, like, the entire second period, almost the entire first period, and then, like, a, a little bit into the second period, or sorry, into the third period, mm-hmm. like, majority of the game, they basically, sub, like, gave, did nothing. Gave Tampa Bay nothing. They gave nothing. them absolutely nothing. So... That's a great way to describe it from Tampa. It was, it was nothing. And I mean, like going into this one, the media started to, to get on the Leafs. I felt a little bit all out hit uh, 28 turnovers against New York out hit against Washington. And you got blown out of the building there. I felt like this one is really to keep those, I don't know, negative thoughts, negative individuals to rest kind of thing. And I, I hope the Leafs do get, credit for this one because this is not like Tampa Bay limped into Toronto and looked like that. Like the Leafs really smothered them very well yeah. in this one. Yeah. Um, and in terms of defense, like when you look at like all three defense lines, like did a very good job against Tampa Bay. Like, I mean, Lilgren, Sandine, Timmons, Brody, other than the goal. I mean, Timmons, I thought was solid all game. Um, I thought he had a pretty good week there. There was two goals that he was at fault for, unfortunately, which two and three games is kind of a lot, but I thought other than that, he was very, very sound, very solid, very good at moving the puck. I really like his ability. Like this is a guy, again, he's played like 20 games in the last two years, his ability to recover the puck when it's chipped into the defensive zone and then move it. And his ability to then move it out of the, out of, the zone usually by passing it or making a play to a uh, an open forward or an open defenseman as he's being pressured and taking that hit i think it's really really good for for how much he's played and especially off the rush he defends the rush pretty well too we saw a couple instances where he dove out and blocked a pass or yeah stifled the rush people were incredibly gung-ho about timothy lilligan when he first started playing with this team and it was, like, if you compare the two 22, 20 games in to their, like, cause like, this is pretty much like, I guess Timmons does has, have an edge on that because he's a Timmons is like a few months older, a little bit older. And like, he does have more, like, what do you think? He has I think 40? same draft class though. Same draft class, but he has a couple more games played under his belt than Lilligren had last season when he first came up with the Leafs. But I think what Timmons is showing NHL right, wise. Yeah. I think what Timmons uh... is showing right now compared to what Lilligren was showing at the time at least defensively, like in those areas that you mentioned, defending our zone and retrieving pucks in our zone and being able to like make that proper first pass. I thought he's done um, honestly, like under pressure. Yes. You better than Lilligan, but like, like at least like defense, like in zone defense, he's been really darn good. Mm -hmm. I think better than Lilligan. And like, I think, I think puck retrievals as well. Like at least this is when Lilligan first started. He really, really struggled when he first started with the least people like, like to forget that. But I think like, this if, year he's been better, yeah. He's been fantastic this year. Like I, I, I'm not trying to take away. I'm just talking about hmm. like in Lilligan's first games, like growing into his own and into becoming an NHL player. I'm seeing a lot of those, like 
I'm seeing Timmons doing a lot of positive stuff, which I, <laughs> I love to see. Like I thought his, like I've, I 100% agree and want to reiterate your point because like I was thinking the exact same thing and it sucks because like, because the goal he gave up, he's in territory to be like scratch for next game. But chances no. are he won't be with Sandin with Sandin hurt and like the amount of guys we have are probably gonna have to call someone up. But um, if you scratch just, Connor Timmons for Jordy Ben after that game, you I never don't know. know about Here's that, the thing: we, we you are like, right. We know that he doesn't like Sheldon Keith doesn't like these big net negative, like these big negative errors to occur. Like we just need to nip those in the butt right away. So I can see why he would get scratched. But like overall, I thought he had a great game tonight. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, yeah. I 100% agree with like, like I'm not, I I'm saying him getting scratched in like a disgusted way, but I'm not doubting it. Unfortunately. Well, of course, of course, of course, <laughs> because we, we've seen, yeah, who knows what Sheldon pulls out of his bag there, but yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. His poise with the puck and his poise under pressure, I think is, is exceptional. And like this, this is a guy that played eight games for the coyotes total eight games over two seasons and then six with Tucson Roadrunners. And now he's played six games at the least. This might've been his seventh and he has six points already. I think his sentiment would be much higher. If you just was per, like drafted from the Leafs from day one, like let's say imaginely, or, or sorry, imaginely that's not a word. Let's say uh, we just had that second round pick and like we drafted him and like he was in our prospects since the whole time. I think people would be generally way more favorable to him and like be more positive about him. I don't see people are being negative, but I think, I think a lot of people like him. I've heard nothing okay. but positive things about him. That's, that's and... good to hear. I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think he's been like oh, been yeah. a pleasant, pleasant surprise. So yeah. Yeah. They picked Kale McCarf. Colorado picked him in 32nd overall and their first pick in that draft, fourth overall, they lost the draft lottery and they picked Kale McCarr. So they might've lost the draft lottery, but they won the draft because Kale McCarr, I mean, Holy, what a player that guy is. Uh, the Leafs in that second round picked Emily Rassinen. Stay hot. Remember him? Yeah. 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 We remember. <laughs> um, anything else you had with this game? Uh, I just want to touch on the little bunting incident. It's a little wild. Little, little spiciness from the referee who uh, – some don't know this, but he used to play in the AHL. I forget what his mm-hmm. name was now. And Dan he, Kelly, is that his Dan name? Dan Kelly, yeah. And he knocked out Andreas Janssen with like one of the dirtiest hits I've ever seen when Andreas Janssen was playing in the AHL. So it's always good to see a guy like that refereeing in the NHL. But I get it. There's referee shortage. Nothing you can really mm-hmm. about that. No. I just wish. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Oh, my God. Yeah, there's a referee shortage. That's why the end. Okay. You might no, be right. It's true. it's true. There is. There actually is. There is a referee cool. shortage in minor hockey, but yeah, maybe well, you're right. That's the development system for how else do they get referees? It's true. Yeah, you you got a point. But that's why they have AHL, former AHL players as refs now. So I saw that tweet where it said Andreas Janssen got knocked out by Dan Kelly. And that I, I didn't understand. I thought Dan Kelly was refing that series. <laughs> and he just like. He, he tripped him or hit him or yeah. something and then knocked out Andreas Janssen. So I'm glad to hear that he was playing in that series. But yeah, in terms of refereeing, they love the former former players, like especially guys that used to play in the pros. So he probably he was probably fast tracked up to the to the NHL. But if yeah. you missed it, Dan Kelly, Michael Bunting got into a, a sorry, back it up even further. 
The Leafs Sweet. went five forwards on the power play, and the puck ended up in the uh, down in the Leafs' end. Nylander fell. Marner went to go get the puck, and Belmar took a run at Marner from behind at the end of the period. So at a bit of, of a period. skirmish broke yeah. out, and then Bunting was trying to go after someone, and Dan Kelly grabbed Michael Bunting and tried to th- shove him through the open door. And Bunting responded with, what the F? What the F are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I'm very curious to see, see the follow-up in this one because the referee absolutely should not be doing that. And then if you you, you notice, I I believe he botched a, an icing call. Yep, they, he did. Game. He did, and they put it at center ice, which was good, which is what they should yeah. do. Because the, the, the head official was yeah. literally standing right there with the orange stripe. Yeah. And... Right when he called it, the officials like just shook his head, and then the my bad. Yeah, the referee's like yeah, my, bad, bad. my bad. Yeah, no shit, you're bad, bro. You're not doing your job. Like, but yeah, here's the thing though. You said something there. You said you want to see what happens in the aftermath of this. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. What? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing's going to happen because it's the NHL and they just don't. Refereeing is not a problem to them, and board ads are not a problem to them. Yeah, board. Well, they did the poll. Remember. <laughs> They also pulled us about refereeing too. Remember, yeah, we said it was we, great. I love the ref. <laughs> well, I, I actually got to watch what I say about refereeing. Yeah, no, like, but like, I, I think we can all agree that like, no ref should ever like the goal of the ref on the ice is to like ultimately like protect the players, enforce the rules, and protect enforce the, the rules and protect the players. It's like that's the only like, and the first like enforcing the rules goes into protecting the player. You know, yeah. like that's that's the most important thing. And because again, like the NHL doesn't happen without the the players on the ice, like. As much as hate pe- some like referees yeah. or owners hate to hear, it, that's that's the tr- truth in the matter. And yeah, like they should ne- like you're not allowed to do that. Uh, you're not allowed to do that uh, for as a referee or sorry as a player, but um, as a referee, you're okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that was a really weird sequence there. Um, to get into it. I guess we'll get into it after we finish up the games. In terms of the games this week, just to close them all off. Do you have anything else before I move on? Actually, do you have anything yeah, for, else on the from, from this game? game? The five power, the five forwards on the power play. Yeah. Th- Let's get into that as a general okay. topic. So I, I just yeah. want to touch on two things with the, the Rangers game, the Washington game, couple yeah. game within the games on that one as well. In the Rangers game, if you remember, they were tied one, one in the second period, the Leafs cycled on the Rangers for two minutes straight. And got some good chances on that. Vinny Trocek was stuck out there for two minutes. Bagged. Dog. The Leafs were getting chances. Puck touches. Cycles. Looking good. Looking good. Nothing resulted from that play. No, I, no, penal, no penalty was drawn. No goal was scored. And icing didn't even occur. Nothing happened. The puck ended up in the Leafs' end. After a two-minute cycle. Even in Washington, the same sort of thing happened. There was a couple instances in these games where the games were tied and the Leafs were able to get a good cycle on the other team and it didn't result in anything. And like, I feel like in both those, like hockey is such a game of randomness where you just kind of think like if, if something dropped for the Leafs there, you pick up some momentum, you have the lead in that game. Like they could have went the Leafs ways. It was really, really crazy to see that both, both of those instances that usually end in something positive for the Leafs ended up in nothing. So to well, close, I, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think that's just variance, right? Like, and sometimes exactly. like, I feel like we got, we got the right sides of right side of that for yeah. 
like a long, like not a long time, but like the, like last couple of weeks. So we were last bound 15 to get, games where we had yeah. that point streak going. So we were, we were bound to get, get it going the other way. So exactly. Um, yeah. That's, that's hockey for you. I mean, when things are going good, you just got to remember everything regresses yeah. towards the mean. Oh. Um, but yeah, in terms of the watch, like the Rangers game, revenge of Jimmy VC was the, the main theme there. <laughs> um, I saw a lot of people say, Oh, the Rangers, they, they really gave it to the Leafs. Now the Leafs like three times outchanced the Rangers in that game. They had the puck. The big difference was the, the Leafs couldn't score on the power play in that one. And they couldn't capitalize on their chances. And they it resulted in only the one goal, right? Yeah. It's like, it was like, again, obviously they lost, but all the things that we want to see in like shot yeah, metrics like, and shot rates. Yeah. Like, like the passes weren't as crisp, whatever, but like the Leafs three times outchanced them. Yeah. Like the expected goals, I believe, was two point seven to point nine. Yeah, two point two seven, but still, oh, each really? each period they outchanced them at five on five. It, honestly, that's oh, probably no, different. I'm talking about overall, yeah. yeah but okay. overall, I mean, the Rangers, like the expected goals battle on the power play for the Leafs. When the Leafs were on the power play, they got outchanced. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a problem. That'll kill you. Unfortunately, yeah. that was the big kicker in that game. That was the only kicker. If you're talking about anything, oh, they turned it over way more than the Rangers. Okay, that's what happens when you have the puck. Can't turn the puck over if you don't have the puck. So, yeah. and then in the Washington game, real quick, like Leafs were able to tie up that game. Beautiful one timer from Neeland, Matthews to Neelander, which they are really starting to click. My goodness, it's, it's looking good. It's looking really much, much better. Game by game, it's getting better and better. After they made it 1-1, Nylander got sprung on a breakaway and missed. And then the puck goes back the other way, and Trevor Van Riemsdyk scores a shitty goal. You're on the road, too. Just from there, it just looked like an up, like they were battling uphill. Right? Yeah. yeah. So those were just my notes from general notes from those games. Yeah. No, I, I don't really have much to add for those games, too. Not the, not the best Ooh. outcome, but. Honestly, like compared yeah. to the some of the, compared to some of the games that we were playing over that fifteen game stretch, like I feel like we deserved like we played better in these two games than against like some of the teams that we yeah, played. Well, in that Washington games. wasn't a great one. I mean, Chucky Lindgren yeah. played awesome for Washington. He's looking like a real stud, and yeah. that's looking like a Cred- great contract. First start in the NHL for, last week. For, for that wasn't me. That was, that was um, Kevin Woodley. He put me onto him, and I. I said, I want to keep an eye on this guy. And, oh, boy, hard to keep your eyes off. He's he's looking really, really good. But that, that was last week. So let's get into it. The five forward power play as, I mean, the Rasmus Sandin had been QBing the power play for since Morgan Riley went down. Unfortunately, the results, you know, like it looked good for a while. The Just the goals weren't going in. And then a bunch of goals went in against Calgary. And then after that, it just went very quiet. And against New York, it kind of hit a, I don't know, hit a point or hit, struck a nerve, call it whatever. It didn't look good. So the Leafs started experimenting with five forwards on the power play. So that puts Michael Bunting in, uh, Mitch Marner at the QB position. And then... Um, yeah, pretty much everything else the same. So bunting in, sanding out, Marner at the QB position. What did you think of it so far through two games? So I think it was really good. It's funny tonight. I think they went back to it. To Sand- I don't know if it was back to Sandine for a bit, but like the power play goal was from Rasmus Sandine's assist. If I, 
recall. Yeah, it was. It was when they so or maybe they changed. They started off with five forwards. Okay. It was like a couple seconds, and then that whole situation happened. So then to start the period, they put Sandine out. Oh yeah, it was a primary was box. Assist. Bunting was in the box. I forgot. And it was that. a primary assist. Oh yeah. yeah, you're actually right. And Bunting was in the box, so they yeah. couldn't do it. Yeah. So okay. So, uh, so it was a primary assist from Rasmus Sandine. A nice little draw the player in, dish it off. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah. So what I see is like, first of all, the most the, the biggest difference I see between the power play of old and the this power play with five forwards um, is. The zone entries, the zone entries are in, like insanely better. They're way, way, way better. And it just, it honestly just makes sense, right? Because how we used to set up was Morgan Riley or Rasmus Sandin would skate the puck up the ice with the intention of doing a drop pass. And everyone, the drop pass was like a great thing when it started uh, like two or three or four years ago, whenever yeah. it started by Boston. David, David drop pass did yeah. his first drop pass. And uh yeah, it was it worked, but now everyone kind of knows that the defenseman has no intention of taking it into the the mm-hmm. the zone. We've only really seen like we've been doing we've been running the same power play for almost three years now. We've only seen a score on a zone entry like that once, and it was uh, Morgan Riley mm-hmm. when he did that, and that was a great play. But honestly, like when you have William Melander doing that instead, the threat of actually getting the zone is so much like greater, and like much puts yeah. much much more pressure on the defense where. Like it got to a point with the drop pass that it looked like the way to counter in the NHL was to cheat on the drop pass. And just and that's what no, the Leafs have been doing. They picked yeah. off about five. And and you can't do that if it's William Nylander. Because mm-hmm. then your D your D are flat footed and you're 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 letting up some chances. They got like three rush chances off of zone entries tonight alone on the power uh, play. On one power fo- play. Yeah, on, on one, one power play. Yes. On one shift of the power yes. play. Like <laughs> And it was honestly unreal. Like I love, I loved seeing that. I think that's like a great, I, I, I don't know if you have to stick to five forwards to do that, but I think moving forward, I think like, I don't know. I sound, I know this sounds kind of counterintuitive, but just like if Morgan Riley's back and you want to put him back on the power play, just stick him on the other team's blue line. And like, I, cause William Nylander, like carrying the puck like that, it was, it was a sight to see. Cause it's basically like it's beat a man and you get a breakaway essentially. Yeah. Like a contested breakaway, yeah. So I agree. I think the 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 drop pass was getting a little bit stale and was actually taking off some valuable time there. Um, in terms of the rush chances, I thought they were very interesting, and I think they caught Tampa Bay off guard a little bit. So to throw those different looks at them, I thought was uh, very very interesting. Um, but my one kind of reservation about it is that when you get like a rush look like that and you don't like, you're not going to get the best looking shot off. You're not going to get it from the best angle. And then in some of those rush chances, it just resulted in broken up possession puck goes the other way because you don't have anyone with you. Right. That's true. That's where also you got to be smart with it. Maybe instead of you drive the net, but then you keep going around or you pull back up. So you got to be careful with it, but I did really like how it was a different look. I think in terms of off the cycle for having five forwards, it's going to take some time. I mean, they tried it in Washington. They're like, Oh, they they're using five forwards at morning skate. I'm like, okay, this is a, uh, yeah. Mitch Marner learn an entire entirely different part of the power play on during morning skate and then go play the capitals with it. I thought that was a little bit silly. Um, got a couple good looks in the second attempt around um in this game so 
I could see it coming back, especially if, oh, especially if Rasmus Sandin is going to miss time and no Morgan Riley's in. I can see them keeping that in there. But I think it's it's going to have its growing pains, I believe. But the number one thing I want to see from having five forwards on the power play is different looks. The Leafs are really not changing up the looks. Like when the issue I'm finding with Sandine on the power play is that he's it's kind of gone stale and stagnant. There, nobody's really changing positions. You're not really seeing Austin Matthews do that big loop around and look for the one-timer. You're not seeing – you saw one point – against the Rangers where they worked it behind the net. But then after that, you didn't see that anymore. So as long as you're throwing different looks out there, I think that it's a positive look for the power play. And you know what? You got a goal tonight. So that was, uh, that was positive. You didn't get yep. a goal in the first two. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and just to piggy off, piggyback off of that different looks thing. I think if you do roll five forwards and I think I kind of saw them doing it in zone, if I remember correctly, I don't, I don't remember for sure tonight, but um, they were they were they they weren't just like stuck in a position. It's fluid. Mm-hmm. It's all ever fluid, and like it's not like Marner is point, Bunting is net front, like Tavares is buffer. Like no, like exactly. everyone was moving, yeah, all through. And they, and they they were doing that a bit last year. They did it a bit early in the season, but yeah, I think that's when the power play is at its best. Honestly, is when there's just a yeah. bunch of flow because when you're defending, like when a, when a, when you're in a box defending a. a uh, as a as a penalty killer like your eyes are on the puck so if there's you don't see what's happening behind you if a guy switches if a guy goes back to you're not going to see that yeah so i think it's really effective in creating openings for players and creating like all openings and passing lanes so yeah exactly. keep the flu- keep the fluidity going keep the fluidity going i think that's the the big theme there yeah. so five four i'm willing to give it another try um yeah we'll see how it looks against the flyers on thursday yeah um so, um, in terms of roster management, we'll call it. So, Rasmus Sandin left the game in the second period with a neck injury. Uncertain what that's going to look like. Callie Yarncroft drew back in. Um, real quick with that, Dennis Malgum was a total negative, not a zero, a negative on that line with Tavares and Marner. He was lost positional-wise. He held on to the puck a little bit too much, or a little bit. He held on to the puck way too much. And then on top of that, he was a negative in the defensive zone too. He's a good fourth liner because he has speed and he has skill when he's required to make quicker plays and think the game quicker and think the game in terms of positioning. He is just a total negative out there. So putting Callie Yarncroft out there, even if Callie Yarncroft was a zero all game tonight, which he wasn't, he had a good, very good one-time chance. He would have been better than Dennis Malcolm was this past week. I'm sorry. Yeah, I agree with that. And also Dennis Malkin is like a, as a fit, just never seemed to find his way with this team. I guess and at points he did on the fourth like, line. Yeah. But, but that was the it. thing there were, he was playing well on the fourth line and like, it would be a lot of like offensive zone, like pressure, which is yeah. good. But the problem is, is like the problem quick ups to him through the neutral zone and then off the rush. But also well, I don't know if, if this was about what you were going to say. He wasn't a good finisher and he wasn't smart enough to pass the puck. Yeah. So no, that's, like... that's another thing. He loved, he loved looking off guys. I think, I don't want to say this because it's like, might be like a not nice thing, but I think he thinks he's better than he actually is. And I think he shoots more because of it. Or I don't know if he's frustrated and wants uh, to shoot more, but he just doesn't. He I think does. that's just the type of player he is. Maybe he just doesn't even see the guys, but he's looked off a couple of guys. And I think my biggest uh, 
but my biggest issue with him is if he's going to be like a fourth line depth guy and energy scoring like depth, like he's just not good enough defensively to do that. Yeah. His offense doesn't, even though his offensive ability for a fourth liner is good, his defensive his ability, skills. Yes. Yeah. It's still, it still weighs him down. Like it's, I think, okay. I don't think that, I don't think it makes him like a, a positive player. And if you're thinking like, who do you want? Like, if I, I don't feel comfortable de- having Dennis Malkin on my fourth line in the third period in a, in a playoff game. I'm, yeah. Cause I'm worried about him getting hemmed in his own zone, him losing track of players and them Turn of, turning over the puck in the neutral zone. Yeah. So, so. I mean, there was points where he showed flashes of offensive ability and offensive chances and the whole nine yards in a depth role. It's just, there was issues with this game. Like he had the speed, he had the skill and the ability to carry the puck. He just didn't think the game fast enough and he didn't think the game off the puck well enough where he's putting himself in a position where he's a dangerous scoring threat. Right. So he had his moments. He had some flashes. He scored a sick goal in the preseason. He scored a sick goal against uh, Anaheim. He had some, I don't know how many points, not many, but he had some very good chances. He just like, he can't shoot the puck well enough. I mean, convert on them. Yeah. And also like one last thing on him, uh, just, he had four points in 23 games and a lot yeah. a few, like five to five, to six, maybe of those games were playing with the second line. Like that's just not, that's not good enough. That's. Oh yeah. He had like one goal total with the second line. Yeah. So four points in 23 games, like you're getting, it's not like you're getting like that's, that puts himself essentially last on the Leafs in uh, for, yeah. forwards for points. Zach Aston Reese also has four. That's not someone you want to be compared to points wise. If your role is to be a, like depth score, right? You yeah. got to score to be a depth score. He wasn't really a depth score for us. He wasn't actually converting yeah. those chances. I was hoping just, he would be, but yeah, yeah, you're right. But honestly, hey, that might just be bad shooting luck, but and maybe he does well in uh does well in Colorado, but I just don't think his fit really with the team made sense. So yeah. yeah, maybe something clicks. I mean, he has the speed, so why not? Who knows what yeah. happens there? Um yeah, so let's do you want to go into Dryden Hunt a little bit? So yeah. One for one trade, Dryden Hunt, Dennis Malgan. Like I don't, I don't know much about Dryden Hunt. I know I that he's got some good underlying defensive impact mm-hmm. numbers. He likes to hit, and yep. he's he's fought a couple of guys. So I'm happy couple with that. Fights. That's that's always a nice thing to have. I don't know if he'll be able to fight any more as a Leaf, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I, to me, he replaces that. You know, when Wayne Simmons would go in once every three, four games, whatever. To me, he kind of replaces that especially and that need that Sheldon Keefe was yearning for, I'd say with, uh, yes, with yes. Wayne Simmons. Um, I think he's, he has more speed than Wayne Simmons does. Although like, he, his speed is okay. Speed wise. He's okay. His skating stride is quite ugly, so it's not the quickest, but it's okay. Whereas Wayne Simmons, he's, you know, a step behind to throw those hits. Dryden hunt isn't. And, what I like about Dryden Hunt, like he hits harder. His you you really feel it versus like more so than what Zach Aston Reese does. Zach Aston Reese finishes every check, which is awesome, which you need, which I love. But Dryden Hunt throws a little bit more weight into it, we'll call it, which I really like. So in terms of his we'll start with his his strengths. I off the four check, I because he finishes every single check, I really like it. I really like his ability to separate man from puck essentially from those hits um 
off of, you know, the defenseman sees him coming, they kind of panic or they don't make the best play from it. I felt like he did a good job of separating the opposition from the puck, not always ending up with it, but kind of breaking up plays like that. Um, I really liked his, he uses his good, he has a decent frame on him and he uses it to shield the puck, which I think is pretty good. Um, unfortunately, he's not the quickest. He doesn't have those, essentially doesn't have those skills that Malkin does. Um, speed, stick handling, all of that. So his offensive ability is very limited. Just kind of get in front of the net and try to hack it in. His shot velocity is okay. I was, is pretty good, I would say. But, you know, the skills limit him offensively. Defensive zone, you know, he loves to, he, he's a, a worker bee, I'll call it, or a honey badger on the puck. So that's where his strength, a worker bee and loves contact too. So he's not afraid. And he's, he's, I like how he does have a head on a swivel, knows where he is in the defensive zone. Um, there was one play in particular, like it was kind of breaking down and the, the other, the, it was Nashville. They got a shot off and right away he had a head on a swivel, took his man and just tried to push him as far away as as possible and limit any sort of additional chances that came from it. So I, I, I think that his profile as a player matches his underlying numbers, like fourth liner, brings some energy, brings some feistiness, throws the body. Don't be, you know, I don't even think he'd be on, on the board in terms of first goal. <laughs> so, no. yeah. So, yeah. I wonder how similar this acquisition is to like when we got Kyle Clifford back in uh, 2020, it's like almost kind of a similar archetype of player. No, am I thinking like, I, again, I don't know a lot about trying to hunt. I'm just thinking about, so I think that was interesting because when we, when we made that move, we younger Kyle Clifford, younger Kyle Clifford by like three years of like the time that Kyle Clifford was traded to the Leafs, maybe two years. I don't know. Anyways, Dryden like Hunt's 20. a 95 born. How old is Kyle Clifford? Kyle Clifford's only 31. So when he was traded Holy to the Leafs, see. yeah, I know. I right? thought he was 35. <laughs> I know he's, he's got some age on him, but, uh, he's losing his the, hair. That's the, 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 the beard and the missing teeth really tie it all together. But, um, Oh yeah. But yeah. So it's, it was interesting just cause I, I was just, I just honestly thought of this Kyle Clifford thing now. And if you look back when we made the trade, we were really struggling, like in the goal in like the, like shot suppression department. Oh yeah. Physicality and shot. We were, I thought if I remember correctly, we were like not great. Yeah. Um, you're right. So it's interesting so, to see that we've been dominant, like not I don't want to say dominant, but like we've been really strong defensively. And like I yeah. like that we didn't say, okay, we've been dominant defensively. Let's get more depth scoring for Dennis Malgan, because Dennis Malgan's not working. No, like just got Dryden Hunt. No. And that I I'm I'm hoping that speaks to me that hey, maybe we're like the next move to come that is like a not fourth liner is maybe like a good offensive piece. So, yeah, I, I like, what are you getting for Dennis Malkin? Really? Like, you know, oh, no. he's just a big guy, fourth liner, 13th forward. He does nothing. Okay. Like what was Dennis Malkin? This isn't our only, this isn't our big trade deadline move. Yeah. We just made a little tinker. Yeah. With something yeah. that we didn't have in the AHL. Yeah. So why no, not? I like it. I like it. So. I think it's not bad. I'm curious to see how he works. Um, hopefully he, you know, he's a guy that fires up the hometown crowd. Uh, funny enough, he was 
um, Capocacco was a scratched in favor of Dryden Hunt in the playoffs one year. So wow, yeah, wow. <laughs> and Dryden Hunt, um, WHL Player of the Year, 2015, 2016, I believe, 116 points. Oh wow! So yeah. he, so he can score. He can. <laughs> Hasn't done so at the NHL level. Yeah, fair enough. So how the Leafs rebuilt Dryden Hunt? Am I right? Maybe hey, you, don't, yeah, you never know. You never know. Yeah, you never know. Maybe after the first shift, we'll have a an article how how Dryden Hunt has priced himself out of the Leafs. But um, in terms of roster management, I think we glossed over it. Rasmus Sandin is hurt. It looks like Jordy Ben is back. I, I've seen him in some Leafs videos, so I think that would be the natural swap. If not, I mean. Because Jordy Ben is a lefty that can play the right side, right? So I think that would fill in there with Lilgren. I, I, does that make sense? Yeah, I think that he's available. Yeah, yeah. Because they yeah, sent down Hollowell. Yeah. So they have no one there. But that's what I, I, I think Jordy Ben would be the one drawing in for Rasmus Sandin. Hopefully nothing's wrong. I mean, Rasmus Sandin was really starting to look good there. And his chemistry with Timothy Logan was awesome to see. So, but well, especially with no Morgan Riley right now, you really need one of those two in this lineup, right? So, yeah. Um, closing it out, I put up a poll on Instagram. Who do you think has been better so far this year? Do you have the pull up the numbers in front of you? So, the poll was. Samson, Ilya Samsonov or Matt Murray, who has been better this year? And the results of this poll that we got so far was 60% said Matt Murray, 40% said Ilya Samsonov. What are your thoughts on that? Um, 40% said Samsonov? Yeah. I think, when did you put that poll out? Tonight. Tonight, before or after the game? After. Okay, so I think this game it might be skewing it a bit in favor of Matt Murray. Okay. Um, I think they've been pretty even, and I think I think Samsonov has been. I want to say Samsonov has maybe been better though. Honestly, I can't. Really, it's so it's so hard to judge goalies on only twelve games. Like it is. that's that's the thing, right? And like if you look at their save percentage, like nine nine twenty nine save percentage for Ilya Samsonov on. Doesn't have shots here or on 300 shots on 320. Yeah. Three, 300 saves, 929 save percentage. Matt Murray in the same amount of time frame, 34, 347 saves, 925 save percentage. So oh, it looks like on. he's. No, it's Matt Murray, 11 starts, 329 saves on 356 shots. Ilya Samsonov, 12 starts, 300 saves on 323 shots. Now, he didn't finish one of the games, but. Matt Murray has faced more shots. I mean, still yeah. 11 games and 12 games. Finally, they have surpassed Eric Schalgren in terms of number of starts. So that should tell you what the sample size we're working with is. In terms of this sample size, though, who has been better, Matt Murray or Ilya Samsonov? It's been very close. I mean, Samsonov's numbers are exceptional, and he's coming off. He he had two back-to-back shutouts not that long ago, right? <laughs> Finally, the... um an opposing team scored on him, but I think that start against Washington, he was just very nervous to be back in Washington like that. I knew it was going to happen too. 
but <laughs> what can you do? I, I said it last episode. Did I not? I think so. And then that's how it spurred the, the video debate, which oh, okay, okay. a lot of people agreed with me. So anyways, um, in terms of who do I like, I don't know. They're two different styled goaltenders. Like Matt Murray's a little bit bigger. Samsonov's definitely faster, but Matt Murray, I think positionally he look is a little bit better and he looks more sound in the net than Samsonov. I think Samsonov, when he starts to get moving, gets a little bit out of position and a little bit opens up holes. So in terms of who do I like more, I'm, I'm preseason. I said, Matt Murray, I'm still going to stick with Matt Murray, but obviously that's not a, I'm not saying Samsonov is trash. I'm not saying, you know, start Matt Murray more because you yeah. are, I'm saying keep the split so far. I'd give a little bit of the edge to Matt Murray. Fair enough. Fair enough. They've been honestly dead. Even when you look at, uh, they've been, well, they've been like very all, good. Yeah. Every, almost every metric, when you look at, they've been pretty yeah. much dead even. And like, again, that makes you think how much like, obviously goalies matter, but like the team in front of you matters a lot as well. Oh, yeah. So as long as they're playing well, it's like, I'm not going to complain about either goalie either way. Like as long as our team, the team in front of us keeps playing as well as they're playing, then I'm I'm happy. So they both are rocking a seven. So Samsonov 7.9 goal saved above expected. Matt Murray, 7.3 goal saved. Before the Rangers game, clear sight analytics had Matt Murray fifth in the league in terms of goals saved above expected. I believe it was. So, Hey, not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. So, Goaltending has been good despite, you know, this past week, maybe not being the best that game for Samsonov against Washington was horrific. I think, unfortunately, burn but, the tape. Yeah. Burn the tape. And we move on. Uh, probably. I think he's starting against Philadelphia, uh, 2 PM Thursday. Uh, any other points you got, you had for this nope. episode? Nope. Pretty much wraps it up. Uh, in terms of looking ahead, as I mentioned, 18 times, the Leafs are playing Philly at 2 p.m. on Thursday. Uh, Philly's not <laughs> not doing too well, but we get a better <laughs> look at James Van Riemsdyk. And then the Leafs do not play this weekend because of Christmas, and they're back 8 p.m. Tuesday, December 27th is the next game, and that's probably yes. when we'll record next. So, and, uh, don't forget, I don't know if you mentioned this, but Flyers game is at 2 p.m. Just reminding everyone. <laughs> 2 PM, 1400 hours Eastern yes. Standard Time. All right. I think that's uh, that's all we got for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Go, Lisco.